Welcome to episode 166 of the Next Level Life podcast. Today I interview the beautiful Odette Barry from Odette & Co. Odette Barry is a publicist, PR mentor, and all-round genius when it comes to hacking your own PR. Odette was featured in my May online Love What You Do collective event, and after such amazing feedback, I asked her to join me on the podcast to share all about her business journey. She shares today openly about how she closed her agency down after publicly and monumentally burning out. She then decided to change her whole focus of her business and created a unique way to hack your own PR and created a kick-ass program out of it. Today we cover what you need to have in place before you start pitching yourself to an outlet, what you need to do to create an effective pitch, how to figure out what outlet to go after, and the journey that it's taken to get her where she is today. Odette is a storyteller who loves nothing more than helping businesses share their unique stories through traditional media. As a publicist, mentor, and founder of Odette & Co., who is based out of Byron Bay, Odette is a headline-winning PR mentor who designed and teaches the popular Hack Your Own PR program, an intimate program designed for small business owners because she knows that every business has a story to tell. So let me introduce you to Odette Barry. The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to up-level their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to up-level your mindset and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to welcome you to the podcast, Odette. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm chuffed. Oh, I'm so excited about this conversation. And after having you speak at one of my events for Love What You Do, I've had so much positive feedback about the beautiful and genuine information that you share and how open you are with really being able to support business owners to get their more eyes on their business through PR. And I think it's so important in this day and age, especially if you want to scale. So for all of those people who don't know who you are, who live under a rock, can you please share with everybody what it is that you do and tell us a little bit about Odette & Co.? Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction. That's very kind of you. I loved talking to your community and there were some really cool questions. And I personally gained so much from being part of that and hearing you talk about the imposter syndrome. And I've used that manifestation and fingers and toes crossed. I'll tell you when it all comes to fruition. But um, basically, I'm a publicist and a PR mentor. I feel like everyone's a mentor or coach these days. Um, and, you know, it's such a cool and fun place to work. I love publicity and publicity is basically the, the act of increasing your brand visibility. And for PRs, that's through the medium of traditional and modern media. So anything from newspapers, television, you know, digital news outlets, podcasts, YouTube channels, influencers, all manner of distribution channels. But I really focus my energy on informing people about traditional media because I think despite the fact that publicity is such an unknown hidden lever, it's actually super powerful because it helps transform trust and and build equity in brands 
faster than anything that I've seen. Um, obviously, ads are super powerful and an integrated strategy, I think, is, you know, where the money's at. But in terms of doing something that can really quickly set yourself apart from the pack, everyone knows you need to have a nice squeaky clean website, beautiful brand, and, you know, you need a social media strategy. What a lot of people don't know and understand is that publicity is the thing to sort of set yourself apart. So, yeah, that's what I do for my bread and butter and also for my shits and giggles. It's lots of fun. (laughs) That's awesome. Tell us, how did it all get started? How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, well, I moved to Byron Bay five years ago, as we were chatting before. We're both ex-Melbourneites and don't like the cold. So here we are uh, moving to the northern um, sun. And um, I worked for Westpac and events and communications for five years. I worked for the Australian Physiotherapy Association in marketing and communications. And when I arrived up in Byron Bay, I tried to bring my work with me. Um, I absolutely loved it. I really enjoyed my team. Um, I loved working in health and it felt really good for the soul. But um, unfortunately, the organization was probably a little bit backwards in coming forwards when it came to a remote workforce. Um, So I got to work on a bit of project work for a little while. I worked for TAFE New South Wales up here in communications and PR and they were going through a restructure and I kind of got to this point where I was traveling down to Sydney all the time or I was traveling around regional New South Wales and I was like, this isn't really why I moved to Byron Bay for a slower lifestyle. Um, so I decided to take the leap into running a business, not very intentionally at all. I really just put the word out that I was freelancing and that really quickly snowballed into more work than I could handle. And then I reached out to my friends who were PRs, copywriters, social media managers, graphic designers, website developers, and very unintentionally found myself running an agency. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never worked on agency side of PR and comms. So it was a bit of a baptism by fire. And at the beginning of 2019, I decided to make a huge change and scaled everything back to me um, and decided to start teaching people how to do PR. Because the biggest thing I'd found in my time running the agency was that the people that had the really good stories to tell, the ones who were like making transformative change they often didn't have budget to spend on publicity and PR's really expensive but it's actually not rocket science so it is something it's a skill that people can learn and particularly a skill that people who run businesses who are generally pretty quick on their feet they're hustlers they know their story they know what the magic is within their business and they generally have you know half an eye for a little bit of how to write a savvy email they kind of get the sales part of their business so a lot of those skills are you know the key traits of a good publicist so for me i could see that i could teach my friends who are small business owners how to navigate through and i think my first client got something like 10 first 
client that I did the mentoring with got something like 10 major pieces of coverage within her first campaign across, you know, the Daily Telegraph, Vogue, Peppermint Magazine, you know, all of these fantastic pieces of coverage. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a thing. So (laughs) I started really fleshing out the program um, to make it a little bit more scalable. It's still super small. I only take classes with under 10 people in each class so that everyone's got really close contact with getting guidance. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell these days. I love that. And I love how it's, you've just really weaved back to what's important to you and you've created something that really lights you up by the sense that you're really tapping into those really cool stories. And it's not just about, you know, scaling or not just about growing a huge business. It's actually go, you went and you created something amazing, but then was like, hang on, what was the catalyst? Was it something that happened? Was it something that you found that just wasn't lighting you up anymore? Or was it that you didn't have contact with the people that you wanted to work with? Like what happened? Oh, I think it would be like best described as like a catatonic burnout uh, <laughs> and pressure from all sides of the fence. So at the point where I decided to make a big shift, um, you know, I'd been sort of like cruising along, growing and growing team, growing clients. And as you grow team, you know, your overheads start increasing your, you know, the quality of team needs to be at like a higher price point of the sort of salaries that you're paying. And then you need to justify that with higher client retainers. So there was a lot of increasing building stresses in the business. Um, And I think at the end of 2018, one of my um, team members was doing IVF um, as a single mama potential mama and she was going through a really tough journey with that another one of my team members um, broke up with her partner of seven years Um, another one's um, mama got diagnosed with breast cancer and you know there was a really deep heaviness in our team Um, and you know one thing that I couldn't separate from was that these people were experiencing monumental shifts in their world that were, you know, deeply, deeply difficult. And for me, there was no line where you switch that off. There's just, there's just no way you can switch that off. And so from a business perspective, you're paying people whilst they're experiencing enormous trauma and you still have clients, demands that have to be met. So for me, that was a really tough period that, that really stretched my, you know, emotional bandwidth, my financial range, all of the things in business. Um, and then in early 2019, um, there was a bit of a shift in the um, finance industry where several of our clients were with the Royal Commission coming through. Um, and with that, that had some pretty um, pretty big impacts on my business. Um, and I just got to a point where I was totally and utterly burned out and I just made a choice to scale everything back. And when I say scale back, that's probably a bit more of a glamorous term than you would actually call it. I, um, you know, if I had had matches and fuel, I would have burned the place down. Honestly, I was so, so adrenally fatigued. I was exhausted. Um, 
and I didn't know what I loved anymore. I didn't feel connected to my joy in my work. I didn't want to be a publicist. I felt dirty selling things and selling stories. And so I walked away from the business and spent some time keeping my head down very low. I reached out to all of my friends um, in my little business community and said, who needs help in your business? that is just physical labor. I don't want to think, I don't want to do anything that requires me to use the skill set that I monetize normally. And so I cleaned my friend's ceramic studio. I dipped glazes for mugs. I packaged online orders. I made dog food. I chopped up veggies. I cleaned the studios. And through that time, I found myself again and it was like, honestly, financially so hard through that period. I didn't ask for any money for that work. I just needed to keep busy and move and, you know, not have any other demands on myself. And I think for the first two weeks, I didn't talk at all. I just like existed and just got shit done and yeah, through that patch, I just started writing the idea of this program and what it might look like and what it might be. And I started like seeding that out and I got heaps of interest in it and the fire started coming back, the sparkle, and I could see how it could fill my cup and how it could serve the people that needed it um, without it killing me in me being on that like massive growth journey that you've got to scale, you've got to grow, you've got to be bigger or you've got to be bigger to be better. And instead I could just share what I really, really love and help transform some businesses that I worked with. So Mm. yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a wild road. (laughs) Yeah. Massive, massive. And now with like hindsight of what's going on in the world right now, how do you see that as being a huge blessing? Oh my gosh, so much. Honestly, as soon as the bushfires hit in November last year, I was like, holy heck, this is real bad, but I can deal with this. And then Corona hit and I was like, this is horrific, but I can deal with this. Um, when Black Lives Matter started emerging, I didn't feel like I could deal with this anymore, (laughs) really. I just felt like shit that I haven't done more, that I haven't been better and I have been part of a system that suppressed so many people. But the strength that I learned of myself through that reshaping, remoulding and going back to, you know, finding myself again, just taught me that it doesn't matter what happens. There's always a path forward um, and you just have to trust in it. Mm, Absolutely. And trust in yourself that you can get through it. Like just having that, being able to go back to the bare bones of it and walk away from something that could have been incredible, right? But it could have been completely out of alignment with what was really true to you and what was important to you. And then like, I know that was like not a great experience for you to go through, but now I kind of feel like it set up such strong resilience in you to get through anything. Oh, totally. I like not, I would not, I know it's such a cliche, but I wouldn't change that because it uh, allowed me the space to create what I've created, which is also a really resilient 
business to tough economic times. This is like, you know, that was the path that I needed to go on because, you know, previously like a a high-end boutique PR agency is not super resilient to tough economic times. So I'm bloody grateful that I went through that journey so that I could be in a position now where I'm able to help people thrive. Mm, Incredible. So good to hear. And yeah, like I just feel like we don't wish that upon anybody, but then being able to walk yourself through it and then get back to where you are now with something that your incredible business of Odette and Co is really thriving and getting such beautiful feedback, which by the, by the looks of it really lights you up because you really speak about it from your true heart of, I really just want to help people tell their story, which is great. Yes. Yeah. It's so much fun. I feel very lucky. Yeah. Incredible. Is there anything else that you learned about yourself over that journey or over your whole business journey? Um, well, I, I don't, I think I probably a couple of things, to be honest, I think I never would have thought of myself as a creative person, but I think as a business owner, you must be, um, you know, because you're constantly problem solving and, and that's our journey. But one thing that happened to me along my journey in life is that I think I never really believed in myself. I never really thought that any of the good things that came my way were really mine, that it was very much driven by luck or, you know, being surrounded, being in the right place or, you know, being a good talker and that being, you know, a good way in for a lot of success, which is amazing in PR, like the best thing in PR. But um, when my business was growing and even working in my career, I was always surrounded by really talented people. And by virtue of that, I fell into the shadows of their talent. I always thought people were better. Well, the copywriters are better copywriters. And, you know, the publicist over there is better than me. And, you know, the editor's an editor, so they're, like, better at writing and they're better at editing you know, and so I was always around these people. And then when I grew my team in my business, I'd hire smarter copywriters than me. I would hire smarter publicists than me. I would hire smarter social media managers than me. And along that journey, I stopped, completely stopped believing that I could do the thing just as well as anyone else because I could see how brilliant the people were around me. Um, And the most beautiful thing that came out of rebuilding was seeing my magic and truly believing in that and, you know, seeing that I am a really freaking good PR and I get really amazing results for my clients. But moreover, I'm really good at teaching PR and igniting other people's fire and helping them secure their wins. So that you know, that's been a gift in itself to, to see my own strength, which is not something I've probably always believed in. Mm. And I would imagine that is the same for a lot of business owners that you work with. They really struggle to figure out their uniqueness and being able to tap into their own strength and now having that skill yourself and seeing what do you like, do you find that is, is big for them? Like being able to then help them uncover what their uniqueness is and allow them to own it. Do you find that that's a challenge for them or is that something that you find that once they've found that they lean into? Yeah, look, I think it is a challenge for a lot of business owners and that's probably why 
I was so curious to hear more from you about imposter syndrome because I do think so many small business owners have that imposter syndrome and it's fed by whatever different story, you know, everyone's got a different place where it's rooted in. Mm. Um, Especially if we're like, like, I just want to kind of relay that back to the story that you just told is that for always looking outside of ourselves and comparing ourselves to other people, there will always feed back a story that we're not good enough because mm. we're looking at other people's strengths and not actually taking time to look at our own. Yeah, totally. And I think um, you said that question in uh, when you did the presentation about um, um, if this is true, how does it serve me or something along those lines. And I just always come back to that now and I'm just like, yeah, like, how does it serve me? Like, that's ridiculous. It's just so unbelievably unhelpful. And, you know, the same is true when I talk with clients preparing for media interviews. Like, yeah, it's going to be scary, but like being afraid is not necessarily going to serve you, but feeling that energy of fear and converting that into an energy of excitement to drive you forward is really powerful. So, you know, like reframing how we tell these stories about all of the things in our life. Yeah, um, absolutely. Really powerful. And I, 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 you know, I think that every, not every business is appropriate for PR, um, but I think a lot of businesses have some cool stories to tell and often we make ourselves smaller instead of, you know, celebrating yeah. the awesome stories we've got to tell. And I think that also is fed by the tall poppy syndrome in Australia. Like it's just, you know, oh, we don't nice. want to put ourselves and put our hands up and be like, I'm amazing. And you should see how amazing I am because we don't, we fear being torn down for sure. So I feel like that kind of plays in as well. Yeah. And I think there's also some like ingrained messages in women that um, they need to be nice and they need to be polite and they need to be small and they need to not be, um, you know, challenging the status quo or whatever it is, these sort of like internalized messages that people have that, you know, being loud and proud of your success or sharing your story is not a bad thing. That's a message that we've inherited from the patriarchy and we can smash the crap out of that one because, you know, be proud, step forward into your light and celebrate your success because it's very hard to succeed when you're always playing small. Mm. And I love when you said, I think you said it about during one of your presentations around like, what is it that you disagree with? Because it kind of helps you uncover where you're different. Mm. I think that that's a fear in itself. Like I don't want to disagree with everybody. And yet that's what makes you uncover that true uniqueness because there is something different about the way that you do things and being able to uncover that through a question like that can be confronting. Yeah. Super confronting. Yeah. And you know, as humans are conditioned, you know, or programmed that we are, you know, community minded, we're collaborative. We want to like get in sync together and we don't even think about it. We don't think about why we want to do that. We're drawn together to cooperate because that's how our species has survived. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so we're working, we're working against some like pretty um, old programming. Yeah. And it takes a bit to get through it, but it's absolutely worthwhile for sure. So Tell us a little bit about some of the successes that you've had with Odette & Co. 
Oh, wow. Well, I think my greatest success would be the friendships that I have built around this business of both clients and fellow business owners. Like to me, that is just such an enormous success to have fellow publicists support in an industry that is renowned for not being supportive of one another Um, and having clients that go on to refer beautiful other clients and that I get to spend, you know, mornings walking the beach together or catching up with on the weekend to have chats with. But in terms of like, you know, coverage that I'm really proud of, gosh, there's so many, but one, one that really stands out for me recently was, um, Sophie Walker from Australian Birth Stories, uh, securing an opinion editorial in The Guardian. Now, The Guardian for me is the creme de la creme of media outlets. I think their integrity with journalism is second to none um, and helping her to secure that pitch of her own doing was something that, you know, gave me so much pride. Um, I think Dale Larder from Noonie securing her own coverage with um, the Daily Telegraph and with Peppermint Magazine is pretty incredible. And even, you know, a couple of weeks ago on our live call in the Hack Your Own PR program, Annabelle Bauer shared her story, her pitch with Georgia Doan, who's one of the field producers from The Project. Um, And she jumps on our live calls to share the behind the scenes of how The Project brings their stories to life. And I think one of my proudest moments was like seeing how the community of people in the program rallied behind Annabelle when she shared her story. And there was all kinds of like DMs flying in the group chat. There was, you know, just the way people come together and want to support one another. And for me, Business can be like such a lonely journey in the shit show, in the fight that you're always up against, you know, no matter how well you design your business around flow and have a healthy pipeline and all the good things happening, there's still a lot of deep stresses because everything that you do is reliant on your energy, your input, your your success today is determined of your success tomorrow. Um, so having a community built around you that like deeply believes in what you're doing and understands your journey, that is like complete fire for me. So seeing, you know, the women in the program jump in and, you know, support one another, that was pretty special. And also fingers crossed that story is going to run with the project amazing amazing that is awesome and i totally agree like surrounding yourself with people who understand it who get it that are there to support you and to be there when you know you want to tear your hair out to the time you pull your eyes out (laughs) (laughs) totally i remember a feeling like um a few years ago i'd said to one of my friends like i am so lonely in this journey and I need a community around me but I'm so fucking tired that I could never possibly set something up like be the coordinator of a community and the next week she sent me a dm and she was like 
you should come for breakfast with these girls. And I sat down around the table whilst everyone was introducing themselves and I started bawling because I was so relieved to have found my people. Oh, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, community's everything. Absolutely, I totally agree. So what I'd love to do now is just to dive into some hard and fast rules when it comes to PR. Mm -hmm. Um, So firstly, what do you think, like, what do we need to have in place before we start even considering PR? Uh, Well, I think it's really important that you've got a great product or service. Like, you know, I know everyone thinks that they do, but I think you really want to have road tested that because that's going to show up quick when you, you know, get someone writing a review about a product because, I've sent a computer screen to a tech journalist and they shredded it because they didn't like the product. And, you know, that will happen if you have a product that's not ready for market. So, you know, great ways to tell if you've got a great product is you've got a healthy interest in the product from your clients um, or from your customers um, and that you get really solid reviews and testimonials from the clients that use your product. That's a really nice way to tell whether your product's ready to, you know, have the spotlight shone on it. But some really simple things are, you know, having a robust website because you don't want it to fall over when you get heaps more traffic coming your way. You want to have a really beautiful, engaging brand. So from a design and message perspective, Um, And that your social media is robust, that you've got some really clear messages around who you are um, and people can understand that when they jump onto your social media channels. So what would be some realistic goals to set when it comes to PR? Well, I think the, some really good goals are that you are going to forge meaningful relationships with three key journalists um, and expect to have built that relationship over a three-month period. Um, and of that, you're going to expect that you're going to get ideally three pieces of coverage. Okay, awesome. That's really good to think about it from that perspective. What about from the uh, business owner's perspective? Like would they expect to have goals around like getting a piece of coverage and how that's going to then impact their following or impact their business numbers? Like what do you think from that perspective? Yeah. So like this side of publicity is a pretty um, contentious space. Um, Most publicists will discourage you from, you know, having an, you know, like a lead number generated off the back of publicity because publicity's biggest um, outcome is trust. And that's a really hard thing to measure. Um, It's something that we see transformed over time. And you can generally measure that in conversations with people about how they feel about your brand. Now, unless you're a massive brand and that's where you know, you're doing big sentiment testing analysis, which most of us are not in the small business landscape. Um, You know, it's pretty tricky to measure that. That being said, I've seen one five minute television opportunity generate $20,000, but that's generally off the back of, you know, a three month campaign where you've been doing email marketing, influencer collaborations, strong social media strategy. So in my eyes, I think that your expectation should be that if you've got a robust multi-channel strategy, then you'll know what to expect if you dial up and you're going to get 
20,000 more hits on your site. But in terms of really clear A plus B equals C, there's not really that formula with publicity. But I think what you're also getting to there is that it's more of a long-term goal. It's not something that you can expect quick, you know, overnight results from. Like look at it from the perspective of what's your six to six, sorry, three to six month plan of getting PR and what's the purpose of it and what are you going to do to generate those types of leads, yeah? Yeah, and it's a thing that gives you um, longevity and the ability to stand apart from the pack. So, you know, if that's one of your goals, then I would say it's a good one to measure by. Yeah, awesome. And what would you say would be the best advice to give someone when it comes to creating their pitch? I know that you talk a lot about storytelling and how important that is. Tell us a little bit about what creates a great PR pitch. Um, The best um, PR pitches are well-researched. So um, I'll tell you about a pitch that I got into my inbox this morning because I'm the editor for a um, youth publication and I got a pitch from a lovely lady who was sending me a pitch about how I could save money this winter through a certain type of heating heater, um, a thermo heater, whatever the hell it was. And this is like the third or fourth pitch that I've received from this lady. Um, and, you know, every time I see really bad pitches, I am so tempted to contact their client and let them know what's up because for me the integrity of our industry is being tarnished every time a publicist doesn't do their job properly so there's a difference between a story not quite being the right fit and someone not even trying so i write for a youth publication that covers sex pleasure culture and identity and i'm getting a pitch about saving money on my heating bill and i responded back to her and i said our demographic is 16 to 25 and I suspect it's not the right fit for us. And she came back to me and said, well, that's why I included a photo of a student studying because then you could see that, you know, students want to save on their energy bills too. And I was just like, yep. Okay. So, you know, it really, editors and journalists are super busy. So what we want to do is give them no space to have a moment of doubt about the alignment of what we're sending. So a great pitch is as brief as you can possibly make it because we want to get our story across quickly, but we need to make it really obvious that it's a good fit. So a good pitch addresses the journalist or editor by their first name make it really clear. Don't disguise it with a high lovely. Don't say dear the editor or to the title. We're speaking to individuals. So we want this to feel like a love letter. In that first sentence, I really like to build the rapport. This is a love letter and we're forging a relationship with them. So if you tell them something you've read or listened to or heard that they've produced, then they're immediately getting that spike of serotonin and, you know, a spike of oxytocin, you know, they're getting that love bug happening when they're reading what you're writing. So they're immediately going to be so much more receptive, but also you've shown them that you tuned into them. So you're showing them that there is, you know, halfway there in terms of understanding that it's going to be a good fit. Then I like to send, um, include, 
a little bit of a background, a sentence or two of who you are. You don't need to say who your name, what your name is, because your email signature will do that for them. But you can say that you're the founder or creator or maker of XYZ and then say why that's relevant to that outlet's audience. Now you can do a quick Google search of a media kit of an outlet so you can see exactly who they write for or produce for so that you can tailor your pitch to them. So if you're writing to um, a business outlet that specializes in women in technology, then I would be making sure that I'm mentioning that this is something that's of interest to people that identify as women that are working in the technology space and that have an interest in business. And I'd be threading that through why this thing is interesting. And then I'd like to always include in a really great pitch, a couple of bullet points that list different topic areas or news hooks that might be of interest to the outlet because Sometimes they're super busy. The story's not right for right now, but if you have a list of different ideas that you can comment on, it means that they'll park that email and save it for later. And when the time is right for them, they'll come back to this list and, you know, potentially hit you up and explore one of those topics. So a really great pitch ends with a strong call to action of what it is you want to achieve there. So do you want to do a phone interview? Do you want to invite them for a photo shoot? Have you got high resolution images that you can supply? Would you like to jump on a call? Whatever the thing is you want to do, make it clear. I had one of the, um, one of the uh, junior journalists send me an email earlier this week saying, I don't know what to do with this email because someone had sent through a pitch that had no clear call to action of what it is the person wanted them to achieve. So always be clear of the ask. Don't try and bury it and hide it or be too shy to ask because otherwise you're expecting the person's going to know what it is you want to achieve. There's no point putting all the work into building a rapport with someone, doing all of this research and then but ghosting on the ask. So yeah, that's oh, kind of a, a pitch 101. That was so good. And I absolutely agree with what you just said at the end because I literally had that happen a week or two ago. I got this email from this guy that has created a comedy club and he gave me his full life story and I didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> But are you wanting to work with me as a coach? Are you wanting to be on my podcast? Are you wanting, like, I have no idea what he was actually asking. <laughs> just like, honestly, you've got to have the call to action because you can't read their minds. You've got to literally say to them, this is how you want them to respond. Totally. And people are busy mm. and they don't want to have to think or imagine what the thing might be that you're saying. And for me, if there's any friction in the email, I know that it's just going to be ignored. Um, or someone will go, okay, cool. That's interesting. I might have a look at it later. And then that moment's gone. You've lost them to the rest of their to-do list. Mm -hmm. So I just like to make it as simple as possible. And I think what you said there too, about making sure that it's personalized is really key. Like the thing was in, in that email, for instance, was like, it was all about him. And I had absolutely no idea for whatever reason he was reaching out and yeah, it would just, it just made absolutely no sense. It was so funny. And I, I'm the same. I get podcast requests, interviews and, and it's just like, 
you obviously haven't even looked into what my podcast is about because it doesn't align at all. So do your research. <laughs> Otherwise it's just going to get, and you're right. I'm just so busy. I literally don't have time to respond. Like, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame, you know, often I, I do try and go back to people and explain why that's not a good pitch and not from, Oh, this is not a good pitch, but just saying, you know, our audience is in an alignment or, you know, maybe you could go over here with this, or maybe you could spell out that because I do feel like, you know, the best editors and journalists I know always go back and then there's an opportunity to collaborate and restyle, reshape something because there might be something you didn't see and that you didn't understand. But if they know what you're looking for, then it suddenly becomes a much more collaborative relationship where you can help one another. Because I think in this day and age, there is so much need for so much more content. They're open to it, right? Like they're open to reading it and finding out whether it is the right fit because they need to fill pages. They need to make sure that there's good clickbait on their websites. Like it's so important that they, that I guess what I'm trying to say is like, don't hesitate to pitch. Like we're trying to make sure that you have the, the bare bones of what it is to create a pitch, but please don't be hesitant because they are going to be open to it if you just personalize it and put a little bit of extra thought into it. Yeah. And also don't be afraid to say in a pitch, this is the first time I've sent a pitch. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Would you be open to a 15 minute chat so that I can like bounce an idea with you? Or if this isn't the right fit, can you help me understand why? You know, like you might not get an answer. You might not get the response that you're hoping for, but you also might. And you lose absolutely nothing by being super honest. It's 50-50 chance. (laughs) So I would love to, just before we finish up, I'd love to know what are some of the, what is some of the best advice that you've ever been given? Ah, um, well, Nike kind of nailed it with just do it. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, my, my parents probably weren't the most, um, firm with their advice around career and you know where what to pursue but what they did always say was do whatever you love and you'll enjoy the rest of your working life and I remember at the time being so infuriated by that because I was like I don't know what I love like and I honestly was walking around waiting for it to drop out of the sky for so long and it's true like when you're in deep alignment with your work and you feel joy in what you do each day, then it's bloody awesome. Like I never begrudge going to work. I haven't for, you know, 15 years or something. Like you know, I definitely went through a patch of it with when I had burnout, but I still loved it. I, you know, I still, um, found so much joy in the work that I've done. So I think that's really sage wisdom, you know, to, to find the joy and chase it, but also just do it, experiment, like don't get in your own way, just have a crack at things. And, you know, that advice applies to publicity in that, you know, so many people don't send that pitch, you know, so if you send it, you're way ahead of everyone else. Um, but (laughs) just to have a crack, like dive into this life. We've only got one. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you see the landscape of PR going? 
It's mm, a good question. I think, um, you know, given the fact that Bauer has just closed eight more titles after already doing away with about 160 jobs, um, you know, there's a there's definitely a lot of fear and trepidation in the media landscape right now. Journalists are, you know, losing jobs left, right and centre. But we've seen some really interesting innovations. So um, the New Zealand Women's Weekly um, titles that were closed by Bauer last year or at the very beginning of this year, um, they went, all of the, you know, key editors and journalists went out on their own and created a content marketing agency. So I think a lot of the money from the media landscape has gone into publicity and content marketing, but there's lots of emerging niche titles. Um, I think for me, my biggest fear about our industry is that the integrity of journalism is at risk of being trusted. Um, you know, there's lots of misinformation about the, the phrase fake news. Um, you know, there's real news and there's fake news, which is more about um, the algorithm and uh, on Facebook and genuine fake news that was created as part of hoaxes to spread misinformation. And then there's, there's the traditional media that may not be um, documenting things as comprehensively as we might like. But often that phrase of fake news gets applied to the traditional media landscape and that scares me because it means that people stop trusting and they stop seeking out information and then they will get caught in the vortex of legit fake news. So for me, I have great hope that, you know, storytellers will have curiosity to tell stories you know, as we have since our early beginnings as humans. Um, I, I, I don't think that's going to go away. What I hope that we continue to have is a um, ethical standard that we uphold within our storytelling and that we try to strive to, you know, actively seek out and per- prosecute truth. Um, and I hope that people um, remain open and curious in how they absorb information so mm. that it's not just blindly received, but also that it's critically received in, in a positive way as well, not just squashing things because mm. they don't feel comfortable. I totally agree. Totally agree. And so what's next for Odette & Co.? Uh, well, next up is my uh, PR Hack Your Own PR program, which kicks off in August, um, on the 6th of August. So that's uh, my next nine-week program. The one following kicks off in October. Um, For me, I'm always looking for ways to tighten, refine and polish my program and keep bringing in new speakers from industry and collaborating with amazing people. Um, I'm also working on on my private clients um, and also writing and editing for future dreamers. Um, I'm pretty lucky that I work with some insanely clever people um, that inspire me and delight me. And yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I'll make sure I put all the links in the show notes so people can find out a little bit more about hack your PR, but just as an overview, who is it for? Um, It's for small business owners that are looking to, 
um, extend their brand visibility beyond social media. So for businesses that have a story to tell, that for businesses that think they might have a story to tell, um, and it's for people that are really looking for for ways to set themselves apart from the pack. They might be in a busy or cluttered environment. I've had anyone from, you know, marketing managers, um, beauty products, service-based businesses, the full gamut, um, artists, artists, change makers and activists, um, a little bit of everything. But the biggest thing is a willingness to put yourself out there and be brave. So if anyone's curious and they're not sure whether they have a story to tell, um, hit me up on Insta, send me a DM, tell me what you are worried about, what you're thinking about, or feel free to book in a free 15-minute consult on my website. Beautiful, beautiful. And please don't hesitate. Like she's totally open to any type of question you've got. And you, I guarantee you, she's probably heard the question before. We <laughs> all have fear when putting ourselves out there and we're all going to have a little bit of the imposter syndrome. And like what, when I talked with your group last time is that you've got to come to expect it. It's going to be, it's part of the journey. It's not something that only you has, everybody has it. And I think that we all just need to work through it to push through that fear and, and make it happen. Totally. So last question, what's some advice that you would have for a business owner that wants to take their success to the next level? Um, well, take their success. I think invest in yourself. I, you know, whether that's in um, publicity, whether it's in working with a business coach or whether it's in investing in a virtual assistant to take some of the churn away from you. I think if you want to grow and, you know, find success, you have to realize that you've got limited capacity and your skills are only, you know, so much before either time runs out or your knowledge runs out. So um, doing a really real assessment of what it is you can achieve in a day, in a week, in a month, and looking for ways to level up with great advice. So I think that's kind of the key. It certainly has been for me. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I That's excellent advice. And I'm literally in the, in the next stages of that as well myself. So it's like totally on point for me too. <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you diving in and sharing all of your insights and all of your advice. It's been so great to hear from you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a treat. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode. So please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week and here's to taking your life to the next level.